Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemists by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're discussing chapters 70 and 71. Yay! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chugging right along. Yeah. <laughs> Progress. Awful mm-hmm. things happening, etc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this time, I, did, I guess awful things happened, but really it was more like horrifying things, I guess. Yeah. It's more like the it threat was spooky. of awful things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This chapter like blew my mind when I was mm. reading it before. Mm-hmm. And I immediately messaged Kayla and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was just a scream- series of scream face emojis. That's more likely. Something <laughs> I think I it was. Say. <laughs> I'm going to check, fact check myself. Let's see what it was. <laughs> oh, it just, oh, that <laughs> is a series of scream face emojis. <laughs> and then just the text after says, what? <laughs> <laughs> I said I wasn't expecting this at all. My mind was blown. My mind is blown. <laughs> yeah, it's a good reveal. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. I really like all the sound effects. Every sound effect is like zoop, zoop, zoop. And it's like, yeah. what is the sound is that supposed to be? Is it supposed to be scary? Like, <laughs> it just sounds funny. <laughs> I guess if I was like, a horrible you don't know, shadow... I was going to say, you don't, you don't know what living horror horrific shadow... If I was if I was a horrible shadow monster, I'd want my sound effects to be zoop 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 zoop. So I guess that works out. Alright. Uh I guess we can uh, get I don't into have it. any banter, I'm tired. <laughs> Sorry, quick, I don't, drink your tea faster. I know. <laughs> I woke up from a nap, guys. You know how that is, right? Where mm-hmm. you take a nap in the middle of the day and then you're, you're like, like what year is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I have my tea. It's fine. Everything's fine. By the time you finish the summary, I'll have i I'll have had my tea and I'll be awake like the that guy in Pokemon who needs to have his coffee before he gives you the <laughs> tutorial or Pokemon catching tutorial or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Apparently the guy is actually like drunk in the original Japanese. <laughs> and you have to wait for him to sober up. <laughs> he's like hung. Oh, he's drunk and you have to wait. Not so- not hung over. <laughs> funny. Oh, I like the idea of bringing him coffee though. I- that connected with me on a deep spiritual level playing it yeah. as an adult. <laughs> Being drunk would be funny too though. <laughs> I'm too drunk to teach you about Pokemon, tiny child. Come back. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably what, like, most of the adults in the world are actually like. (laughs) Yeah, really. (laughs) See, I had banter. I found something. (laughs) Can we talk about the shadow? The evil shadow? (laughs) (laughs) Not yet, but soon. (laughs) Oh, okay. Soon. Like, zoop, 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 zoop. Yes. (laughs) Just doing that in the background, waiting until we get to it. Quiet shadow, whatever shadow (laughs) noises are. (laughs) Maybe the sound effect is like the sound effect from the shadow. What mas- What is it called? Floor Master in Legend of Zelda. Oh. Where it's basically like a shadow. It makes like a zoop, zoop, zoop sound. Right? I don't know. I'll, the only sound I remember is my horrified screaming. Screaming? Like <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I always see them and I kind of scoot around them as far as possible. But yeah, when one grabs you, it's like the end of the world. So Yeah. It's like the sound they actually make is, ah. <laughs> The sound they make is, Jesus fucking Christ! That's the sound that they make, right? (laughs) That would be me (laughs) playing the video game. (laughs) 
Tune in for our Legend of Zelda podcast someday. In the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rated M plus <laughs> for all the swearing. <laughs> it's only if we are a streaming episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah. From the podcast that brought you, from the podcast the uh, podcast art that brought you, like swearing Toru, plenty of dismemberment <laughs> comes, <laughs> like screaming at video games. The podcast. <laughs> Comes jump across the fucking gap, you fucking moron. <laughs> oh. It's true that in like Wind Waker, there's no control of your jump, so you're like, yes. just go, go across the. I know you can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's a preview of some things to come for sure. <laughs> okay, let's start, please. I regret bringing it up. <laughs> Chapter 70 opens with a brief flashback to Winry's arrival in the north. She sits awkwardly in the headquarters building, guarded by a set of intimidating soldiers looming behind her. She knows that everyone is awfully serious around here and hopes someone comes to pick her up soon. Kimberly then comes to the rescue, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) He's polite to her, so she doesn't know. Yeah. (laughs) Apologizing for making her wait and introducing himself, then helping her carry her luggage out to the waiting cars. As the cars make their way to Briggs, Kimberly strikes up a friendly conversation with Winry, then eventually asks about her parents. It was my squad that recovered your parents' remains from the site, he says. We arrived a moment too late. We went to help them, but by the time we got there, they had already been killed by Ishvalan rebels. I see, Winry says, looking down. They stayed true to their duty as doctors, following their consciences to the end, Kimberly continues. I wish I could have met them. When we searched their clinic, we found a picture of them with an adorable little daughter. I assume that the child in the photo is you. He smiles and offers his hand to her. It's an honor to make your acquaintance, Miss Rockbell. In the present, Winry is set to work upgrading Ed's automail for the cold. She scolds him for not telling her he was heading north, and he grumps that he was in a hurry. You guys are always in a hurry, she grumps back. (laughs) She then asks why they were locked up, with Ed vaguely muttering that it's complicated. But Kimberly steps in to assure her that it was all a misunderstanding, and they'll be released soon. She cheerfully thanks him, making Ed look uneasy. Ed then reaches up to adorably tug on Winry's hair to get her attention. Mm-hmm. It's super cute. <laughs> the whole scene is cute. Whatever what you're yeah. about to say is cute. Yes. <laughs> hey, you better not trust Kimberly too much, he warns her quietly. Huh? Why? He seems like a perfect gentleman, she says. Plus, he admires my parents. A gentleman? Don't you know what he did in Nishval? But Ed then cuts himself off, remembering how Riza had emphasized that she could only speak from her own point of view regarding Ishval. He then remembers something else Risa said to him about his love for Winry and promptly rockets off the table in embarrassment. <laughs> he rolls with embarrassment or yeah. in self-defense, embarrassed self-defense, <laughs> like a crocodile. Yes. <laughs> I love that his memory of that scene, too, has Risa and Black Hayate, like, openly yeah. mocking him. <laughs> yeah. Black Hayate is definitely mocking him, obviously. <laughs> He covers his face with his hand and starts rapidly reciting the periodic table of elements to distract himself while we're in WTFs at him in the background. <laughs> I was like, is he really doing that? When I started yeah. reading this, was so good. <laughs> Which means he misses it when she sighs and says, why did I fall in love with a weirdo like him? Mm. He's loudly shouting, Bagony! Yes. <laughs> For him! <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. I'll go back to being quiet. Like elements. Huh? <laughs> There's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium. Hydrogen, hydrogen, oxygen, 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 rhenium. Niodine, thorium, thulium, and thallium. 
<laughs> Please stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> huh? Did you say something? Blushing slightly, Winry says, I didn't say anything, and cranks the wrench <laughs> on his shoulder joint, making Ed yelp. You're supposed to warn me before you connect the nerves. <laughs> Winry ignores him and moves on to his leg. <laughs> hate you for getting that song stuck in my head. <laughs> it's educational. These are the only ones in which the news has come to Harvard. <laughs> there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. <laughs> I love the Harvard discovered rhyme. <laughs> yeah. He was a master of rhyme. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. Uh, Tom uh, Lehrer, I think. Yeah, right? Tom Lehrer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> when the upgrade is done, Ed stands up and starts moving his new limbs around while Winry cleans up her tools. Oh, it's so light, Ed observes. It feels kind of strange. Are you sure the lightness will compromise durability? Winry tells him that it's a little less durable overall, but she strengthened the key features. If it worries you that much, I can add a shin guard. Ed messes around a little more with his automail, then gets dressed, and Buccaneer enters the room. He snarks at Ed for being out of his cell, and Ed snarks back that it's because of his cloud as a state alchemist. <laughs> Buccaneer then notices that Ed finally upgraded to cold weather automail, and Ed asks if he's also here to upgrade. Hell no, I've already got the best in lightweight battle automail, the modified M1910 Mad Bear G. It suits me perfectly. Mad Bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ed isn't too impressed by the clawed automail arm, but Winry definitely is. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Only the fingertips have been strengthened. They're made out of diamond, aren't they? <laughs> Buccaneer preens under the attention for a moment, but the realization that such a cute girl is Ed's personal mechanic annoys him, and he strikes at Ed with his bare claw hand and stomps back out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this northern region automail sure is interesting, Winry enthuses as Ed recovers. <laughs> the Briggs automail mechanic offers to let Winry take a look at his workstation, which he eagerly takes him up on. Hey, Ed calls to her. Uh, just don't get too excited and wander off. He glances over his shoulder at Kimberly and his soldiers. This fort can be kind of dangerous. Winry smiles at him. Okay, I'll be careful, she promises, then follows the other mechanic to his work area. Ed watches as she gets down to her studies, taking notes as she learns all she can about Northern Automail. She certainly is serious about her work, just like her parents, Kimberly remarks. My type of girl. Ed gives him a look, and Kimberly quickly assures him, Oh, don't worry, she's too young for me. <laughs> I'm laughing at Ed's look. He's a liar and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't think Kimberly lies. That's true. I don't know, I mean... I don't think he really does. I think he says things from his point of view. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I I'm just thinking, because, like, he said that he was there to help the Rockfells. Right. That was clearly a lie. That was a lie. I was going to say, it's it's not that he, like, lies, well, but he, like... they were officially there to help them. That's it just true. wasn't what his uh, actual mission was. His they did technically to... arrive a moment too late. Yeah. They did. Yeah. And I'm sure he would have loved to meet them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think he's uh, completely genuine in his respect for the Rockfells. Rock <laughs> yeah. That too, yeah. I think it's genuine his respect for Winry also mm -hmm. that is related mm -hmm. to that and this, yeah. this scene. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he like lies, but he he obfuscates the truth. That's definitely yeah. true. But it's not like mm -hmm. he was like, oh yeah, we were definitely going to help them. He was like, yeah, we were supposed to do that. And mm -hmm. yeah. didn't work out that way. Anyway, love your parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he continues, well then, you're all fitted out with your new automail, thanks to Miss Winry. That's a load off my mind. Now we can finally discuss the job at hand, Mr. Fullmetal Alchemist. Ed gives him a wary look. We transition over to Al, who's still locked up and now under guard by Kimberly's soldiers. Uh, why won't you let me out, too? He asks. <laughs> and the guard says that they're under strict orders from Kimberly to only release the Fullmetal Alchemist. 
Damn it, keeping the two of us separated. Good strategy, Al thinks. And not only did he bring Winry here, but he paraded her in front of us as if to say, See, I've got a firm grip on her. He pauses for a moment. I guess it shows how much of a threat he considers us. I shouldn't rush things. I have to wait for my chance. <laughs> Demonstrating the difference in personality between him and his brother. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, now's my chance! And just, like, punches Kimberly in the face. <laughs> <laughs> At the secret entrance into Sloth's Tunnel, Olivier and a group of her men make plans for the hopefully rescue mission. The scouting party took enough rations for three days, she says. It's been a week already. It's going to be a close call. One of the soldiers remarks that they could eat the horses if they needed to, while another says that he's more worried about their minds. A typical soldier isn't prepared to spend a week in total darkness. These aren't typical soldiers, Olivier says. They're Briggs men. The rescue party prepares to descend. They're taking along a transmitter, though since the scouting party's radio didn't work, they tell the general not to expect to hear from them. And they can't afford the risk of anything following the line back to base if they bring a cable radio. Buccaneer, the last man down, pauses to speak to Olivier. Major General Armstrong, we have no idea what happened down there or what might be waiting for us. If we don't return within 24 hours, assume we aren't coming back. Go ahead and seal up the hole. Pretend we never existed. Very well, Olivier says. That's what I'll do. She offers a salute, and Buccaneer closes the hatch as he heads down into the tunnel. The rest of the men move crates and boxes on top of the hatch to cover it up, and Olivier turns to address them. All of you listen up. The incident with Lieutenant General Raven was all my doing. None of you saw or heard anything. If the incident ever comes to light, place all the blame on me, and abandon me. The men don't look super on board with that order, but they answer, Yes, ma'am. Understood. Down the tunnels, Buccaneer leads the party onward through the darkness. Back in Central, Roy is getting information about the situation in Briggs from the flower seller, who wraps up her flowers for him as she talks. I see. So the North has become more dangerous than ever, Roy says. Yep, the flower lady says. From now on, we need to think more and more defensively. That's why we were in such a rush to contact you. Roy points out the Briggs troops are well known for their toughness. Aren't they more than ready for combat without the aid of the East Area Army? It's not so easy, she replies. The Briggs garrison is always focused primarily on defense. They say that the surest path to victory is to strike first, but that only works if you got the right muscle to make it count. That's why we need to ally ourselves with the East Area Army, which excels at offense. At least, that's Lady Olivier's reasoning. Roy remembers the joint training the North and East used to do and says, I see, the Northern Wall of Briggs has a clear understanding of the limits of her strength. He gives a smug little laugh and adds, I'm honored that the Major General has chosen me out of so many others to be her partner. <laughs> no, Lady Olivier desires only the strength of the East Area Army. In fact, she said, Mustang can get lost for all I care. <laughs> Roy's ego slumps as she cheerfully hands him the last of the flowers he bought. <laughs> Let me ask you something, Roy says, recovering and becoming more serious. What would she do if I sold this information to the Fuhrer to save my own skin? Impossible. Mustang's not that kind of man. At least that's what the lady said. She smiles and holds out her hand. Okay, you owe me 35,200 cents for the flowers. Roy huffs a little sigh as he digs out his wallet. I'm honored, he says. Then, as the flower seller begins to push her cart away, he asks who she is. Me? I'm just the flower-selling granny who served the Armstrong family for generations. She pulls off her bandana, revealing a little Armstrong curl. Come again, hun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not Grumman in disguise? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All the old ladies in a mistress are actually Grumman in disguise. Grumman in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> I like how their little curls always have a little shiny mm -hmm. uh, little star or whatever next to them. 
Roy laughs as she walks away. Then he looks down, smiling to himself. Hughes, in the end, the people who understand and support us most seem to always be the comrades that we once fought alongside, eh? But right now, what am I going to do with all these flowers? <laughs> <laughs> and the piles of flowers spill out of his car while passing bystanders stare at the weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> the sound effect in the version that I'm reading now says floof as of them falling out of the car. <laughs> Meanwhile, down in the tunnel under Briggs, the rescue party has mostly been encountering horse corpses and severed body parts, cut as cleanly as Smith's arm has been. They're beginning to lose hope of finding anyone alive when a rustling sound down the tunnel catches their attention. Everyone draws their weapons, but it's a couple of missing Briggs soldiers. They're looking much worse for the wear. They freak out when the light shines on them, and it takes them some time to recognize their comrades. S Second Lieutenant Henschel? Uh, oh, help is here, they mutter, seemingly in disbelief. Henschel crouches down and offers them water. You're both still alive. I'm so glad. It was worth coming down here after all. Are you the only ones left? What about the others? The man clutches at his own face. The others. The others. A few others survived, but along the way, they collapsed, and we got split up. Take them back to base, buck in your orders. But the man reaches out to clutch at Henschel's sleeves. We, we need to get out of here right away, he cries. It's coming. Turn out the lights. The shadow is coming. The rescue party doesn't understand what he means, but they hurry to help the lost soldiers back to base. Behind them, unseen, the living shadow looms into view. But then something deeper in the tunnel seems to catch its attention, and the seeking darkness slowly withdraws, allowing the soldiers to continue on their way. Back in Central, Riza, looking serious, arrives at the Fuhrer's house late at night with an envelope full of documents for him. She thinks to herself how stressful the high security surrounding the Fuhrer is as the guards let her in. But it's not the Fuhrer, but his wife, who greets her in the entrance hall. Riza apologizes for disturbing her so late and introduces herself as the Fuhrer's personal aide, then hands over the envelope. I have urgent documents for him. Oh my, they sure have you working late, don't they, dear? Mrs. Bradley says. Riza smiles politely. I would be very much obliged if he could look these over by tomorrow. Mrs. Bradley apologizes and says her husband isn't home at the moment, but she promises to get the documents to him. Riza starts to thank her. But something sets a sudden shiver down her spine, and she whirls around, suddenly on high alert. But the only one behind her is the Fuhrer's son, Salem, who cheerfully says that he heard someone at the door and had thought his father might have come home. Mrs. Bradley introduces him to Riza, and he greets her politely. You're still working at this time of night? Thank you for your hard work. Riza smiles. Yes, I came to deliver some urgent documents. I'm sorry for disturbing your sleep. I'll be leaving now. Salem seems disappointed that she's leaving already, but a smiling servant ushers him back off to bed. Mrs. Bradley smiles fondly as she watches him. Salem really loves his father. I think he wants to be a soldier when he grows up. Your son is very bright, Riza says with a smile. Mrs. Bradley laughs. Isn't he? He's my pride and joy. If he was our own son, I would be criticized for being so proud of him. But because he's adopted, I can brag about him all I want. Riza smiles and asks if he maybe gets his outgoing nature from her side of the family, but Mrs. Bradley says he's not related to her. Oh, he isn't a distant relative of yours? No, Mrs. Bradley says. The boy is a distant relative on my husband's side. Riza's eyes go wide, but Mrs. Bradley doesn't seem to notice anything wrong. But please, it's too cold to chat here. Come with me to the back room where you can have some tea while you await my husband's return. But Riza hastily tries to make an escape. Uh, I only came to deliver the documents, so if you'll excuse me. Back outside, Riza hurries down the covered walkways of the estate, her mind racing. According to the colonel, King Bradley was raised in isolation since childhood as the subject of an experiment. Judging from the circumstances that led to him being a homunculus, he shouldn't have any blood relations. And that feeling I had earlier, it was... 
that boy is... So, you found me out, Salem's voice calls from behind her, standing in the shadow of one of the pillars along the walk. Riza freezes. What a pain, the boy continues. My mother can be such a chatterbox. Riza doesn't move or turn around. I felt a menacing presence earlier, a familiar presence. At first I couldn't recall where I'd felt it before, but now that you're standing behind me, I remember it clearly. I had the same feeling when the homunculus gluttony was standing behind me. Salem Bradley, who are you? Salem smiles, though it no longer holds the childish innocence we're used to. Considering your present circumstances, it's rather brave of you to question my identity, Lieutenant Hawkeye. You displayed good judgment by not drawing your gun. You're not nearly skilled enough to defeat me. But I won't lay a finger on you as long as you remain quiet about this. Riza is beginning to sweat, clearly terrified, but she manages to keep up a calm demeanor. How kind of you, she says dryly. And, are you a homunculus like gluttony? No, I feel some kind of pressure coming from you that's not even in the same category as gluttony's. Salem tilts his head to one side with an unsettling grin. Yes, it's true that gluttony and I are the same in many ways, but I'm offended that you would even consider gluttony and me to be in the same league. The shadows behind him begin to writhe, familiar glaring eyes and grasping hands. I'm the first homunculus, he declares. My name is Pride. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we know who Pride is. <laughs> yeah, and he is an arrogant chick. <laughs> <sighs> I'm so ready to argue with you later. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I'm not. I don't have anything to say except I like it. So we'll see. I'm ready to hear your (laughs) arguments, though. Finally. Back at Briggs, Kimberly has pulled Ed aside to explain the job he has in mind for him. I'm merely asking you to fulfill your duties as a state alchemist, he says with an ingratiating smile. I refuse, Ed says immediately. (laughs) But I'm sure you won't take no for an answer, will you? That's true, Kimberly says, then drops the smile for a more serious attitude. The Fuhrer has given you three orders, all of which are to be carried out under my command. Number one, you are to aid in the search for Scar, who is thought to have escaped here to the north. You need only find him. Eliminating him is my job. Number two, find Dr. Marco, who is believed to be traveling with Scar. Again, just find him. I'll take care of the rest. And number three, Kimberly suddenly gains a wicked grin. Here at Briggs, you will carve a crest of blood. That's the end of chapter 70. No. Wow. <laughs> I don't like any of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I can't not see them when I look at the page anymore. I made, it, made that as a joke and now I can't not see it. <laughs> chapter 71 returns us back to Riza and Pride. You said that you're the first homunculus. What did you mean by that? Riza asks, keeping steady despite the sweat now dripping off her face. Just what I said, Pride replies. Nothing more, nothing less. His tendrils of shadow begin to stretch their grasping hands out toward Riza. You're truly brave, Lieutenant Hawkeye. You're planning to draw as much information out of me as possible, aren't you? Impressive. Why don't you join our side? The shadows begin to creep up her body and snake around her arms, but she doesn't flinch. You must be joking, she says. What you want are convenient pawns, not allies. Is that so? What a shame. Well, then. Pride narrows his eyes, and the shadows now around Riza's throat and wrists begin to tighten. She begins to shake, but she manages to grit out. Your threats are useless. After all, what would you gain by killing me now? The shadow on her face cuts a clean... <laughs> the shadow on her face cuts a clean line around her face. I think I meant to say cheek. <laughs> <laughs> 
the shadow on her face gives her the cleanest shave she's had of her life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the closest I ever gave. <laughs> <laughs> musical reference out of the way <laughs> yes <laughs> the shadow on her face cuts a clean line across her cheek drawing a trickle of blood but then the hands slowly withdraw you're quite right pride says but you do know what will happen if you speak of this to anyone don't you colonel mustang and your friends will not go unharmed i will always be watching you from the shadows Riza whirls around but pride is gone she breathes heavily as she inspects her wrist bruised from the shadow's physical grip her own stark shadow cast across the ground is newly ominous as Pride's warning echoes in her mind. Back at Briggs, Ed is asking what exactly Kimberly means by carving a crest of blood there. Kimberly grins as he answers, Just as in Ishval, we will kill the people of this land and create something magnificent from their blood and sorrow. Ed's eyes go wide and he slams his fists on the table. I will never agree to do that! The noise catches the attention of Winry, who is sitting in the adjacent room, and Ed glances anxiously in her direction. So that's why she's here, he says, turning back to glare at Kimberly. To be dangled as a hostage while you negotiate. Oh my, such harsh words, Kimberly says mockingly. I never said anything about Miss Winry being a hostage. Also, you're mistaken about something else. This is an order, not a negotiation. I'm merely telling you to do your job as a state alchemist. Or did you become a state alchemist without being prepared to kill? Ed leans forward, glaring at him. I became a state alchemist with the determination not to kill. Kimberly seems intrigued by that. Not to kill, hmm? Yes, if you stay true to that path, that choice could be equally relevant. Kimberly, doesn't any of this seem strange to you? Ed asks. What's the military trying to accomplish by killing all of these people? Do you know the answer? Is that why you're helping them? Yes, Kimberly says. Why would you help them do something so wrong? Kimberly grins again, getting that look of mad delight in his eyes. I want to see how the world will change. One side's resolve against the other's. Will against will, life against life, one belief clashing against the other. Humans against the homunculi who call themselves evolved humans. I want to see who will win. I want to see who is right, who is stronger, who will survive, and which side the world will choose. Ed looks taken aback, but he doesn't interrupt as Kimberly continues. I hear that the only law here in Briggs is the survival of the fittest. That law is an extremely simple and powerful truth. Throughout the span of history, that is how this world has evolved. Some species were destroyed by the climate, others by humans. Ishvalans were destroyed by the Amestrians. These are all examples of the same law. If humanity is destroyed by the evolved humans, then they simply did not possess the requisite strength to survive within the greater flow of the universe. But if you're a human being, then why are you on the homunculi's side? Ed asks. He points suddenly suspiciously at Kimberly. Oh, maybe you're homunculus too? Kimberly, slightly insulted, insists that he's not. <laughs> it's because they enable me to use my talent to the utmost. They've given me complete freedom to use alchemy in the service of my desires. They also supply me with all the backup I need. Is there any human organization that would do that? I can't believe you passed the psych evaluation when you applied to become a state <laughs> alchemist, Ed says. That test is so formulaic, Kimberly says dismissively. As long as you know you're a heretic, you can pretend to be normal and pass it with ease. Ed questions the word heretic, and Kimberly calmly folds his hands together and smiles. I've known for a long time that relative to the norms of societies, I am a heretic. Yet if someone like me has survived, that means the world accepts me. He leans forward eagerly. In this war, 
My survival, my very existence, is at stake. Can't you understand how thrilling these stakes are for me, Mr. Fullmetal Alchemist? Ed scowls at him. I'll never understand. Oh, that's too bad, Kimberly says, seeming genuinely disappointed. I thought that all state alchemists were at least a little self-centered. After all, what urge is more basic than self-preservation? Ed continues to stare at him like he's the weirdo he is, so Kimberly <laughs> changes tack. <laughs> he reaches into his jacket and pulls out his old philosopher's stone, slamming it dramatically onto the table. I know that you brothers desire this more than anything. Ed's eyes widen and Kimberly continues. The Fuhrer told me about the condition of your brother's body. If you complete your tasks, I'll give this to you. Ed clenches his fist and stares down at the stone, looking conflicted. Let me speak to Alan Winry about this, he says eventually. Kimberly questions Winry's inclusion in that conversation, but Ed says, I haven't told her anything yet. I can't keep this from her any longer. She's involved now. Whatever job I have to do, I don't want to betray her by lying. Kimberly agrees to this, but he warns that he'll be present for the conversation to make sure he doesn't reveal anything unnecessary. The Resinbull trio convenes in the cell where Al is still being held, with Kimberly and his soldiers standing outside and listening in. I'll just come right out and say it, Ed begins. Winry, you're being held hostage. Winry is understandably surprised by this and asks if it's some kind of joke, but Ed tells her that he's completely serious. I've got orders from above to fulfill my duty as a human weapon, he explains. I'm being told to commit mass murder. Winry jumps to her feet. Why don't you just refuse, she cries, but then quickly realizes that that is what she's being used as a hostage for. She slumps back down on the cot she was sitting on, looking down. No, no, she mumbles to herself. I'm holding you guys back. Ed panics slightly and tells her not to cry, but Winry firmly says that she's not crying. Sorry, I'm just mad at myself, she says, leaning her head on her hands. How could I have been so clueless? Why didn't I see what was going on? Why? Why are you guys always being forced into things like this when all you want to do is get your original bodies back? Ed then adds that they've been promised the Philosopher's Stone if he cooperates. But wait a second, Al jumps in. The Philosopher's Stone is... Kimberly has it, Ed says, interrupting and gesturing to where Kimberly is standing nearby. That's not what I mean. The Philosopher's Stone is made of... But Ed cuts him off again. We'll be able to get our original bodies back. The equivalent exchange is that I become a human weapon. The brothers stare at each other for a moment, saying nothing. Then Al turns away. Do whatever you want, he says. Ed leaves the cell and tells Kimberly that he'll take the job. But let me begin with the search for Scar. Please. Please, you say, Kimberly repeats. You become awfully humble all of a sudden. Scar murdered Winry's parents, Ed says, and Winry reacts with surprise behind him. For her sake, I can't rest until I find him and avenge their deaths. Kimberly nods. I see, so that's why you're so fixated on Scar. Very well. Ed then adds that he needs to take Al, since he can resist Scar's body destruction. And they and the soldiers all leave the room, talking plans, and leaving Al and Winry behind. Winry quietly asks if Al is okay with all this, but Al tells her not to worry. My big brother would never use the Philosopher's Stone to get our bodies back. Losing our bodies was our own fault. We have no right to get them back by using something that was created out of the lives of innocent people. We're researching the alcohistry of Sheen for a method of getting our bodies back, and our only lead is a little girl who might be traveling with Scar. I think my brother's pretending to search for Scar so he can find that girl. To trick Kimberly, he needed a motive that was believable. That's why he said that stuff about avenging your parents' deaths. He apologizes for using their deaths like that, but Winry just gives a gentle smile. It's okay. You guys matter more to me right now. You're still alive. She then leans against the wall and puts her hand to her chin thoughtfully. Well then, I need to make up a believable motive too, she says, to Al's confusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Over in the general's office, Kimberly and his team present the plan to Olivier. So, you want me to put you in charge of the search for Scar and release the Elric brothers from custody so that they can accompany you? She asks skeptically. On what authority are you making this self-serving request? Kimberly tells her that the Fuhrer himself gave him the authority, and he hands her an official letter to back it up. She reads through it with a frown, then says she has no objections if it's coming from the Fuhrer. Kimberly thanks her and prepares to leave, saying he'll be borrowing her troops and the Elric brothers, then pauses on his way out to ask if Lieutenant General Raven is still missing. Yes, she says, with a look of feigned concern. I'll be making a report to Central City Headquarters soon. Is that so? Please make sure to do that, Kimberly says, smiling and tipping his hat as he leaves. The door closes behind him, and Olivier lets out an annoyed sigh. Miles, standing beside her desk, asks if they can really afford to put him in charge of the search for Scar. It's the Fuhrer's orders. I have no choice, she says. Plus, if all goes well, Scar and Kimberly will kill each other. <laughs> she pauses for a moment, then tells Miles that she wants him to go with Kimberly's group. She's withheld the information about the Alkahestri girl likely traveling with Scar, and she has a message for Miles to deliver to the Albert brothers. Give Scar to Kimberly, just as he asked, and bring the girl with Alkahestri here, as secretly as possible. Later, at the base of the wall, the Scar hunting team prepares to move out. Ed and Al slump in the back seat of a car while Miles talks to Kimberly about the plan. We'll start by heading east to Baskul. It's the last place Scar was seen. We'll begin our search there. Kimberly agrees, but reiterates again that he's in charge of this mission. Then a new voice calls out, Hey, make room for me! And Winry squishes herself into the already crowded back seat with Ed and Al. <laughs> what are you doing here? Ed asks, and Kimberly leans down to tell Winry that she should wait at the fort. We're not going sightseeing. Yes, I know, Winry says. You realize that I just fitted Ed with new automail, right? I've never made a cold-weather model before. It might malfunction. He needs me with him in case I need to make repairs. Our shop stakes its reputation on our comprehensive service. If something were to happen to Ed's automail, it would tarnish the Rockbell family name. Ed, catching on, chimes in with an exasperated, You sure are obsessed with your job, crazy workaholic. And the two fake bicker for a moment until Kimberly holds up his hands and says, All right, all right, you may come along. He tells one of his soldiers, named Darius, to ride along with them, and then goes off to his own vehicle. Darius immediately starts to scold Winry. You really should have stayed at the fort, miss. I, I'm sorry, Winry says. I understand my situation, but I couldn't bear to just sit and wait. She covers her face with her hands, trembling. I want to be with them. I'm so sorry. Ed and Al and the driver all give Darius <laughs> dirty looks for making the nice girl cry. <laughs> and he hastily says... Well, it's fine as long as you stay out of the way. Yep, uh-huh, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and from Ed Nell's perspective, we can see Winry isn't crying at all, but grinning with pride at her successful deception. <laughs> I love her starry eyes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the soldiers at the fort are extremely sad to see Winry, their precious female flower, leaving. <laughs> the doctor points out that their boss is also female, but the soldiers insist that she's too scary to count. <laughs> Later, the troops have arrived at Baskul, an abandoned former mining town covered in snow. As Miles points out, it's a big area with lots of places to hide, so finding Scar won't be easy. The soldiers start working out squad assignments and plans while Ed and Al stand off to the side. Darius and another of Kimberly's men approach the brothers and say that they've been assigned to accompany them, which Ed and Al immediately realize means they're keeping an eye on them for Kimberly. Everyone starts to move out into the town, and Ed and Al consider how they can ditch their new guards. They decide to go at the old standby of, hey, look over there, by shouting that they saw something move and dashing off in pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> the 
They succeed in losing the soldiers by turning a corner and using alchemy to pull up a fake wall behind them, making it seem like they went down a side corridor. Their pride is short-lived, though, as they realize the town truly is way too big to search on their own. The only way we could find them here is if they found us, Ed gripes. And then, right on cue, May arrives, happily throwing herself at Al, her new infatuation. <laughs> her infatuation only grows when Al tells her how glad he is to see her. So they can talk about alkastry, but her romantic fantasies are already taken hold before she can hear that detail. Ed, looking like a cartoon monster from her perspective, also villainously declares that he's happy to see her too. <laughs> While May starts to go on about two brothers fighting for her affection, a knock sounds within Al's armor. Al, I just hit my head, a voice complains. Oh, sorry about that, Al says, and quickly opens up his chest plate to let Winry out. Oh my, Mr. Alphonse, who is this woman, May demands. How could you? No, no, she's just a childhood friend, Al insists, before realizing that he doesn't actually have to justify anything here. <laughs> also, Xiaomei chewing on Ed's head in the foreground. Yeah. <laughs> Which is irrelevant. He, he, opened up the, he opened up the wound again. <laughs> or she opened up the wound again. Really? I, don't know if she, <laughs> I noticed he was bleeding, and I was like, oh, it's the wound. <laughs> the scene then gets even more chaotic as Dr. Marco enters, worried because he heard May yelling. It takes a moment for the brothers to recognize him with his newly damaged face, but when they do, they start asking each other what they're doing here. Yuki also arrives, and Ed and Al don't remember him at all, much to Yuki's <laughs> offense. <laughs> Wintry just stands off to the side, looking slightly confused by all of this. Back at the temporary base of operations, the soldiers have just realized that Winry has gone missing and reported to Kimberly and Miles. Now we have one more person to search for, Miles says. He gathers up a squad and prepares to head out, and Kimberly calls out to him before he leaves. I know, Miles says. I'll contact you as soon as we find Scar. I feel like Miles is really exasperated by this. It's like, we get it. You're in charge of the Scar thing. Yes. <laughs> we get it. You want to kill Scar, okay? We get it. Scar, as it turns out, is currently scavenging for anything edible out in the abandoned buildings. Two of Kimberly's soldiers managed to track him down, and he stands to face them. So, you northern troops have finally sniffed me out. The soldiers correct that they're actually central city troops. Come with us, they say. Mr. Kimbley's waiting for you. Do you think the two of you stand a chance against me? Scar taunts, but the men just grin. If we were ordinary men, we'd be no match against you, yes. Their bodies begin to twist and warp in a familiar way. If we were ordinary men. They stand before Scar in their newly animalistic forms, and Scar narrows his eyes. Chimeras, huh? He says, lifting his destructive hand and preparing for the fight. This should be fun. And that's the end of chapter 71. I like when they smile and their teeth are all pointy. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, that's bad. <laughs> yeah. As a side note, there's a pretty funny set of um, bloopers from the dub of Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the bloopers are just the like cast having fun, not actually messing up. And there's mm -hmm. there's one for this scene where he keeps like changing what he says. And it's, so he's like, Camaras, huh? Fucking sweet. And stuff like that. <laughs> so, it was running through my head as I was trying to say the real line. <laughs> Wow, that was a time. So many things happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I almost forgot that, that Salem Bradley is pride. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I also almost forgot that they uh, saved those two dudes from the... Well, they haven't made it out of the tunnel yet, but they found those two dudes in the tunnel amongst all the severed limbs and whatnot. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. That's good, question mark. Yep. <laughs> I didn't connect that uh, pride was distracted in the tunnel and then mm -hmm. therefore but by Risa being at the uh at the house and therefore retreated they got lucky yeah 
I was just like, oh, maybe it couldn't go into like that part of the tunnel or why well, I don't know, whatever, you know, some bullshit. Some mm-hmm. reason. But no. Yeah. Yeah, you can see like the eyes like look backward and then mm-hmm. start to withdraw. And the hand is like right next to one of the other dude's shadows. And then mm-hmm. Pride is so creepy. The shadow mm-hmm. is so creepy. Yeah. I was like, this is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Turns the little tiny hands into little razor blades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also love how Pride is a tiny child. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like Risa slowly figuring it out too. She's like, wait, he's your husband's child? Like, distant relative? And the and uh, Mrs. Bradley's like, oh yeah, he's he's from my husband's <laughs> side of the family. And she's like, oh fuck. <laughs> and she's, she's like, like, I need to leave immediately. Yeah, come have some tea. She's like, I just came for the papers. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> then runs off yeah to make a hasty so yeah so one of the best parts of uh the pride reveal back in the day was that uh someone actually guessed it correctly Ooh, yeah you Um, sent me a long tumblr post yeah i have a it's a it was old it's a live journal post oh live journal post you sent it to me yeah i have a link in my notes if uh cosm wants to open it up and if you want to like put it in the show notes or something but um yeah it was good logic Mm-hmm. it's uh it's actually it's one of the people who used to work on the uh scanlation the that i've primarily followed for mm-hmm. from alchemist mm-hmm. so that's why they talk about like uh like a lot of the stuff they used was like speech patterns mm. which are obviously less obvious in english mm-hmm. 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 yeah because he just sound just like a normal child question mark i don't know it's mm-hmm. hard to tell yeah they say like uh so Pride has a manner of speech that's most characteristics of females and or young, well-mannered males. Mm-hmm. And so they, like, went through Oh yeah, that's true. the different characters. I see and, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then they have a bunch of other things. But this was, like, posted, like, almost a year before the reveal. And even they were like, oh, it's a silly thing, but... <laughs> and then later they were like, re- yeah. re- we didn't re-blog on LiveJournal. What did we do? They probably just, like, just went back it. and commented again. Well, yeah. I was right! I was yeah. right! <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah because I, t- I think i told you it was kind of a it was like one of the big like things that people made theories of at the time it was like who mm-hmm. was pride yeah and also jokes mm-hmm. then i sent you a joke that karina was pride <laughs> yeah <laughs> from, from, uh fruit basket yeah they talk about the fact that like salem's adopted his manner of speech um Him that he does look kind of similar but yeah, yeah that he looks kind of similar to um the like silhouette we see in the pride yeah, he has the little mm-hmm. little wee little nose. Like the face mm-hmm. shape is kind of looks like the silhouette of pride. It's definitely true. Mm-hmm. And then he's in the Fierce house, and he was like yeah. in the shadows and stuff before. So, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite ones is Pride was supposed to be helping Wrath and Gluttony take care of Scar. However, they didn't turn up. Could that be because Salem's tutor refused to allow him to go outside? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you actually have in that scene. <laughs> yeah. Where he's like, I want to go see the tiny alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to go slice the tiny tiny alchemist with yeah. my little shadow hands. <laughs> Cosmo, this person has an answer for what makes Salem's role slash personality suitable for the sin of pride. Mm-hmm. Where is that? <laughs> it's like the last thing in their note. We don't know how long Salem was adopted. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he's probably been a perma child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if pride can change is his appearance as well like envy mm-hmm. yeah i think they go into it more later on about like how long he's been 
adopted. How long has he been stuff. 17? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we don't know yet at this point in the story that we're reading. So. Mm-hmm. It's really funny to read the comments on this post, too, because, like, the first several are like, oh, that's interesting. I don't think it's true, but that's kind of interesting. And then, like, after the reveal happened, everyone's just like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I found it. (laughs) Um, Did they establish that Pride was the oldest homunculus? The first homunculus. Yeah. Uh, No, this is the first time. I think they might say something to that effect in the uh, tunnel when uh, Greed is going in the dip. In the dip. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Because this theory that you posted has... That pride was the the oldest, the firstborn. Mm-hmm. Wait, so they did say that in the when Degree was going in the dip? Something like I think that. they said something along those lines. Oh, I can't okay. remember exactly what it was, but I don't know. I don't remember that part. But... Or Envy might say something about it. I someone has said something about mm-hmm. like pride being old, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> commenting on legendary posts. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Arakawa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are cute <laughs> yeah oh, but yeah right since right. they were the um like the scanlation team i followed i followed the the journals also because mm-hmm. they would sometimes like discuss like like the chapters before they fully translated them and like mm-hmm. about like translation decisions they're making so it was interesting to follow them that's cool and so like when the i remembered reading this originally back in the day and then like when the reveal came out i was like i need to refine this post immediately <laughs> <laughs> like it's happening it happened <laughs> So, oh yeah, so now that, that, that it's revealed and we've, I've been yeah, able to your, sort of... What's your whinging? Uh, what do you want to complain about about Pride? I, I, I see it now. <laughs> I, I see, I see now? why he's Pride, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, like, you know, it comes as a very big surprise. It's not something you expect. So, like, I didn't think much about it, about him beforehand. And I think when I rewatched it, I kind of forgot about that, too. And then, um, I just don't remember him all that well. So I don't, I you know, I just kind of forgot. And uh, now that now that I see it, and I was looking for it, I it's there. He's prideful. He's, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, he's kind of high and mighty. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah, over, I like, like the, Risa. Yeah, it's like he's obviously very like smug about compared to humans, but he's even mm-hmm. smug about like his fellow homunculi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I'm offended. You even consider me and Gluttony in the same category? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely yeah, not in the same category, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I liked all the lead up where uh, Mrs. Bradley is like, "Oh, I'm so proud of him. He's my pride and joy." Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and they've said that before. Like she said that before. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like all those things that uh, Salem used to say about like how he wants to help father is yeah, uh, it's like still mm-hmm. ominous and just in a different <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's really interested in the military. And the one thing that I w- thought was really f- interesting is like in when Kimberly's calling him like they're in the background like mrs bradley and salem are in the background in like mm-hmm. i think it was like two chapters ago or whatever so he's always kind of like around listening mm-hmm. in on everything mm-hmm. and obviously he has to come and like check out risa or whatever mm-hmm. instead of killing the soldiers in the tunnel yeah. So. yeah yeah being the the son of the fuhrer definitely gives him a a good reason to be around all the stuff happening <laughs> yeah i wonder like even if he's, like, the first homunculus, maybe he didn't always look like that or whatever. Like, I wonder. I mean, I think the other thing is that we know that the, the plan is coming to, like, uh, fruition yeah, soon. soon. So maybe if, if he doesn't age, like, it's not going to be that yeah, noticeable. Maybe it doesn't matter. Because mm-hmm. of how, how soon, yeah. 
They're like, wow, you're really small for like a 15 year old. He's like, mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to help father. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Then in the night, he goes and like kills that person with his little shadow hands. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of makes yeah, sense I that love all pride the... would be the first homunculus too. It's like, you know, like something you're proud of being able to create or whatever, like mm-hmm. in the form of a child too. I don't know why that kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thematically. <laughs> also, it makes sense if he did always look like a child with like father's weird fake family thing. Yeah, true. <laughs> He's like, greed, my my angry teen son, <laughs> and pride, my perfect son, <laughs> and gluttony, my weird cousin. Or, I don't know. <laughs> And and envy. <laughs> it's like just envy. Mm-hmm. Envy's like the neurotic dog that the family I know, adopted. I know I've already made this joke, but it's like, I love all my children equally. Earlier that day, I don't care for envy. For envy must, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly like that. I mean, father, they all call him father. I don't know how what father thinks of himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. don't know. Like, does he see them himself that way? But maybe then he does that's... say, like, um, mm-hmm. like when he's talking to Greed, he's just like, "Why would you betray your father?" And stuff. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. So I maybe he I... would make a little scion in the image of a child or something. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I love all the shadow stuff in these chapters because, like, we've talked it's really many good. times about Arakawa's like use of the mm-hmm. high contrast stuff. It fits so... perfectly into yeah. the visual theme or yeah. the visual language of Fullmetal Alchemist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The part where Reese is like leaving, and then it's like her, her, or when she comes into the house, and it's like their shadows, mm-hmm. like her shadow and and Mrs. Bradley's shadow, and then she yeah. turns around and it's Salem, and like mm-hmm. when she's leaving, and you can see her shadow like at the end. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Where it has the like it's ominous, yeah, the repetition of uh, Salem's like I'll always be watching you from the shadows over top of Reese's own shadow. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, which is horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> after i messaged you you were like anyway sleep tight and i was like yeah, yeah. <laughs> in complete darkness <laughs> mm-hmm. but i guess wouldn't complete darkness be bad i guess there's no shadow there's no co- there's no anyway i don't know yeah he seems to exist in like the con the contrast between the light and dark seems mm-hmm. like because mm-hmm. the soldiers are like turn out the light turn out the light when they go in the yeah. tunnel so it seems like he somehow for some reason needs needs to be shadow mm-hmm. and not just darkness i guess mm-hmm. Yeah, but he can move in the shadows, and he also has the power to like become corporal somehow, and and chop people up with mm-hmm. his little shadow mm-hmm. arms. So there's that too. Yeah, and his so, shadow teeth, <laughs> shadow eyeballs. I don't know. What I mean. <laughs> um, something that's interesting to me is that gluttony was a failed attempt at creating the portal, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you mentioned, those, like, eyes and hands are kind of what's inside the portal. So I wonder if Pride was meant to be sort of the innards of the portal, like a failed attempt at creating the actual inside and not just the gate. I don't know, maybe. Uh, Which would then make them a lot more similar than some of the other, like, Lust and Greed, who, you know, are not related to the portal at all, Um, Mm -hmm. at least in their creation, I don't think. I feel like Lust, Greed, and Sloth are like they were seem they seem to be like created for the purpose of executing the plan mm-hmm. like they're like supposed to be fathers like foot soldiers one yeah. has a shield one has a the spear 
And it was the, the, the drone, the work drone. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, they, to me, it seems like, and then Gluttony, Gluttony is the, I guess, the portal, but mm-hmm. Pride, it seems like, to me, that some someone that Father would have just created just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since he's also, the first one, it seems like it might have just been a, like, let's see what I can do, kind of. Pride yeah. doesn't really seem to have a purpose other than being spooky, <laughs> like, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. so maybe I mean, security maybe possibly but yeah, that so. might be uh uh you're good at this why don't you take right you've know, been promoted rather mm-hmm. than uh this is what i created you for yeah so i don't mm-hmm. know it's just, i feel like as the first maybe it was just like yeah i wonder if, what i can do mm-hmm. yeah yeah he seems to have like some authority with the other yeah. homunculi but mm-hmm. well i was wondering if that was his pride as well like he orders them around but is he mm-hmm. really in charge kind of like envy yeah and then he also like um, doesn't really it seemed until we saw the tunnel and stuff that Pride wasn't really doing anything, mm-hmm. but just kind of like ordering them around. So yeah. yeah, it's like they do back off when he tells them to and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like they seem to listen to him. They gripe about it, but Envy gripes about everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like Wrath, when Wrath and Pride had their conversation, which is now mm-hmm. really funny to think about because yeah. it's like <laughs> him talking to his tiny son mm-hmm. and be like, "Yeah, I don't know about humans or whatever, or I don't mm-hmm. know about you know this whole humans and homunculi and whatever." Pride was like, yeah, I'm not going to tell Father that. Like, mm-hmm. like he has some autonomy, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I also like the, um, in light of this, the bit not too long ago when uh, Roy was like, what about your son? And he's like, yeah, that's not going to work as a threat. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Actually, I don't give a shit about him. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like true. you mean my older brother? Nah, yeah, no. That kind of jerk. <laughs> yeah. It's also really scary that he like met he's like, I want to meet the Fulminant Alchemist. I love the Fulminant Alchemist. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, he just wants to be able to haunt him yeah. and curse mm-hmm. him <laughs> with his little shadow hands. <laughs> but yeah, it yes, yeah, it makes them and it's just funny. It's like so he goes to like school with all the little school children and shit, or like whatever mm-hmm. he does. Like, is, does he have a private tutor or whatever? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know, you know? We saw him with a tutor. That doesn't necessarily preclude him also going to school, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, he was in the library that one time. At the time, very least, he's so. getting lessons, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, right? So now he's he has like, to... Yeah. It's like, so the history of Mestris, and he's like, I lived through it! <laughs> <laughs> I was there, buddy. <laughs> I caused half of it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, wow, he was so smart. He's so <laughs> smart. He just knows everything about history. And advanced You're... chemistry. I mean... <laughs> yeah. You're the bit in Buffy when Anya's like trying to get a drink and they're like ID and she's like, I'm 2,000 years old, just give me a freaking beer. <laughs> <laughs> when you were saying earlier about this person, the person who posted this thing about this crack theory about pride, it's like, I've got mm-hmm. a theory. It can't be Salem. <laughs> <laughs> Children aren't just cute like everybody supposes. <laughs> wow, I'm surprised you have no, no arguments. No, I mean, I, I, I think Wrath could have been pride. Um, but I definitely see why Salem is pride. Like, yeah. I see it. Pride is really spooky. And I'm, yeah. I'm interested <laughs> to see what happens in light of this development. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> also, those soldiers, I wonder what they're going to do with them when they get them back to the base. They're going to be like, the shadow, the shadow! <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to be like, uh... <laughs> You're like, time to the pole like the horse. <laughs> <laughs> they're really spooked, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, Lying on their stomach, pulled by a little, uh, that, uh, pulley that they had. Oh, yeah, like, the (laughs) the little, like, crane for the horses. Yeah. Yeah, You lift them up out of the hole. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, they've just been down there sitting scared in the dark for like yeah. who knows how long, which mm-hmm. is horrifying too. So, well, anyway, um, good times. That's horrifying, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> Nothing bad can happen from this. Mm, nothing can happen from anything that happened in the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When we showed up, and then she went with them to the snuck it to the t- or like used her her acting skills to go mm-hmm. to town with them on the search mm-hmm. for Scar. Mm-hmm. Did you do you think she just wanted to be with them? She wanted to like help them, or she just wanted to be with them, or they need to do they need to uh, confer again alone or something? Is that because she's a hostage? Like, yeah, why she yeah. I feel them? like it's just trying to get like out from under. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. Kimberly's uh, thumb. Pretty much. I mean, she mm-hmm. says the fort will definitely still, yeah, yeah, be within his his influence, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think basically, as long as she's not with them, they can't escape in any way. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it'd be hard for um, like Ednell to do their own thing during the search if like she's still being held hostage, like mm-hmm. actively. Mm-hmm. But when we showed up and fixed Ed's automail, that was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least. And then she got to learn more about Coldplay Automail, and all the automail engineers were like, yay! <laughs> yeah. I think that scene's really cute. Like, mm-hmm. He's like, oh yeah, you want me to show you the stuff? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, taking notes. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's so nice. Yeah. And like, it's like kind of like from Ed's perspective, like he's watching her. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, yeah, he's he has so kind of like thing. a mm-hmm. proud smile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kimby's like, now that you're all fixed up, I have a I have a task for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That psychopath. Yeah, <laughs> find Scar, find Marco, and then carve a crest of blood. Mm-hmm. No big deal. Yeah. He's like, wait, what was that last one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they say carve a crest of blood, you mean like do the human transmutation to create a philosopher's stone, or like what does that even mean? No, I think, I think... it's to create the violence like they have oh, on the other okay, corners of the circle. Okay. Okay. Because I was like. What are they? What exactly is he asking him to do? But mm-hmm. yeah, okay. But in exchange, can people give him the stone? Right? Mm-hmm. Nothing can go wrong. Mm-hmm. Kimberly's obviously telling. Notice Kimberly only offers up the uh, crappy old stone. Yeah, the new one he got. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably has that one currently swallowed. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just used it as a bargaining chip. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that he doesn't have any intention to actually give Ed the stone. Yeah. I wonder why. Are they just trying to, like, test his, like, quote-unquote loyalty to get him to start violence there? Or just to continue to, like, manipulate him because they have Winry as a hostage or whatever? Because, like, I'm sure Kimberly would happily do it. I don't know mm-hmm. why they need him to do it. Um, I think it's probably to sort of beat them down so that they they don't resist. They, they mm-hmm. realize that they can't, you know. Yeah. It's time to sort of get them, like, on their side, for lack of a better word. Like, mm-hmm. Well, it get them so involved that they can't be opposing them anymore, I guess. Yeah. 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 And by get them on their side, I mean get Ed and Al on the homunculus and yeah. Kimberly's yeah. side. So that they can't be can't be getting in their way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just like they think that they have Olivier um, like wrapped up in the plan, even though mm-hmm. he's really not. At least as far as we know. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, that's great. And then they all went out to this town, the abandoned yeah. mining town, to see what they could find. Mm-hmm. Like Ed and Al sneaking away from the... You call them Kimberly's soldiers? I call them Kimberly's goons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the the ones who ter- turned out to be chimeras. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's got like four like identifiable like dudes that mm-hmm. he brought that seem to have been brought up there. Yeah, <laughs> specifically to help him. Yeah, it seems like, and two of them were chimeras, so I feel like we can assume the other ones are too. He has mm-hmm. he has muscle basically. Yeah, he has his yeah. own muscle that doesn't come from Briggs. It's the backup that they promised. <laughs> yeah, all his support and all the tools and money mm-hmm. that he needs to obliterate people. Yes. <laughs> it's like, what other organization would do that? And it's like, good question. Yeah. <laughs> I love that just being like, I can't believe you passed the psyche eval. He's like, well, it's easy to fake it if you know that yeah. you're crazy. I was like, this is mm. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, because like, as long as you know you're crazy, you can pretend to be normal. Yeah. <laughs> He has some interesting things. I feel like we learned a little bit more about Kimberly too. He said, like, Ed was like, why are you in on this crazy plan? And he said he wants to see how the world will change and, like, who will yeah. win. Mm-hmm. He wants to just, like, observe the violence, I guess, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was basically, like, if humanity is destroyed by, like, the homunculi or the, you know, the better humans 2.0, yeah. Then they didn't they didn't possess the requisite strength to survive within the greater flow of the universe. And he's mm-hmm. like... There was a, he also said something interesting about like, you know how before he was like, I enjoy this work because my soul is like at risk or whatever. Uh-huh. He said something else interesting. Um, hold on. Let me just figure out what it was. But he was basically like. Yeah. It's where he talks about like, yeah, if someone like me has survived, that means the world accepts yeah. me in this war. My survival, my very existence is at stake. Can't you understand how thrilling these stakes are for me? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he was like, I thought all alchemists were crazy like me. And he's, yeah. Ed is like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I kind of, I just feel like it made more sense. Because at first mm-hmm. I was like, what does that really mean? Like, does it mean that... So he's basically like, if I can survive in the, this world that's defined in a certain way, um, then it must be... it. Then I must be um, strong enough or whatever. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. very yeah, sort of perspective. Like... Yeah, like he like it means he's like earned his right to be the way he is. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like if he can continue doing what he does, then yeah, he's like earned earned mm-hmm. his way in society, I guess, to live earned the right to stay in society or whatever. Yeah. Kimbe's such a weird also, character. He's so like weirdly self aware about how crazy he is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's he's really fascinating as a character. Mm-hmm. Like Um I just really I didn't really think about this before, but the whole part where he's talking about how like he wants to see like like how the world will change after this isn't mm-hmm. entirely dissimilar to uh wrath when he was talking to pride in that one mm-hmm. scene it's just sort of like i'm kind of curious how the, what will happen like i do feel like kimberly's kind of the human version of wrath <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. like in the sense of or like he's like kind of like the human version of the fear like yeah. they're both kind of almost like almost trying to observe like outsiders but then they're still heavily involved and like super mm-hmm. violent you know yeah like, yeah sort of like kind of yeah, they both sort of don't quite fit into, like, the side, quote-unquote, they're mm-hmm. on. Like, yeah. Kimberly doesn't yeah, quite like... fit in with the normal humans, and Wrath doesn't quite fit in with the homunculi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll have a, like, maybe they'll have a song and, like, a journey, and then they'll meet <laughs> an abominable snowman, and an abominable snow monster, and then... <laughs> You're saying there are a couple of misfits? <laughs> There's always tomorrow. <laughs> More dreams to come <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Again, there are a couple of misfits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot the <laughs> St. Christmas songs in Fruit Room episode. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. <laughs> there are a couple of misfits. Mm-hmm. What's the matter with misfits? Why can't they fit in? 
They might be different from the rest. But who decides the test of what is truly best, Kayla? <laughs> who? That's what Kimberly's saying. That's a direct quote from Kimberly's song. <laughs> Otherwise known as It's song. not that far off. <laughs> what's, the name of, what's the name of the elf? Why can't I remember his name right now? Hermie. 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 <laughs> wants to be a it's all reference. <laughs> yeah, he wants. To, I love that so much. It makes me laugh every time. <laughs> I want to be a dentist, and they're like a dentist, insane <laughs> elf. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, <laughs> they're all like, Hermie doesn't want to make toys. <laughs> that would be a lot. Anyway, okay. I don't regret bringing this up at all. But yeah, it's basically like that. They're gonna run. They should run away together and go to an island of misfits. <laughs> Does that happen in FMA? <laughs> You're like I cannot neither confirm yeah, that, that Kimberly and Rath don't run away together to form a new crazy society. <laughs> They're like we're humans and homunculi. <laughs> oh, I made myself laugh. It's the ending okay. we deserve. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Then father's like King or King Moonraiser. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or like Hohenheim's King Moonraiser, one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> they both have like a irrelevant beard that's like similar to being a lion or whatever the fuck. Yeah. They're they're somewhat lion like in their And appearance. they're like kind of aloof and weird like King Moonraiser. <laughs> hey, Cosm, do you know what yeah. have you, you're familiar no, with? This? I haven't. <laughs> what? He's like, this is all <laughs> he's like, this is all gibberish to <laughs> me. <laughs> I'm I think I have reference. a very, very good understanding of what it's about right now. <laughs> it's about a he's psychotic serial killer who can explode things and then like he's a half watch, human. He's gonna rush it off this year and be like, "Where's the part where they kill everybody?" <laughs> <laughs> they don't even. Oh, no, wait, I can't spoil it for Kazum. I can't spoil it enough for Nazreendir. <laughs> Oh my god, okay, anyway. <laughs> In Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, there's a there's, Rudolph is an outcast because of his nose, but also he meets a friend who's also an outcast, who's an elf that wants to be a dentist rather than make toys. Just to be clear, in case that wasn't clear to everyone from my songs. <laughs> oh, I need to be stopped. Okay. <laughs> I just, I thought that the conversation with Kimberly was interesting, and it gave a little bit more detail about him and his craziness and i like that he knows that he's crazy like mm -hmm. we haven't really gotten confirmation of that because he just kind of like does what he he wants and like it's like you know he is super obsessed i love how you you pointed out that miles is like i get it when <laughs> yeah. ask him if he could ask it to tell him that uh to like to tell ask miles to tell him when he found scar mm -hmm. and it's like yeah we all know you fucking want to kill scar because he yeah. like all he talks about this is my mission they gave me permission to do it whatever but we got a little bit glimpse deeper glimpse into kimberly's strange strange psyche mm -hmm. i think yeah. i also like that he uses the term like the flow of the universe it's like oh yeah he's yeah. still an alchemist <laughs> oh yeah he is he's just cuckoo caca like yeah <laughs> <laughs> like he knows what's up like kimberly knows mm -hmm. what's up he just doesn't want to be he thinks that i think he just has his own rules that he wants to live by you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he also said that they, he, one reason he also partners with the homunculi is because they let him, like, 
use his ability to like the mo- utmost or whatever, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like that, and the he wants to see how everything turns out, I guess. And that's just what that's all he wants. All he wants to do is blow things up. Yeah. <laughs> so it turns out <laughs> he just wants to blow things up and watch what happens afterward. <laughs> yeah, apparently seems like. <laughs> well, so one thing Kimberly says, uh, I mean, he, when he's talking about survival of the fittest and how it's like a law of the universe, sort of, mm-hmm. um, and that you know, alchemists have equivalent exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there have been other like just sort of laws of the universe that um, we've explored in the series so far, as like truths, I guess, the the truths of the world, that sort of thing. Um, because you know, in in equivalent exchange, you, you can apply it to not just alchemy, but you know, like all sorts of things throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with this one, survival of the fittest. Oh. Um, it's a truth so... universally acknowledged that Yoki will always get his comeuppance. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. I, I can't think of any others. Survival of the Fittest has been like a, a running, and I think it's like the misinterpretation of what it means, what Survival of the Fittest means, I guess, has been mm-hmm. kind of, or different interpretations of Survival of the Fittest mm-hmm. yeah. um, has been a running theme in the last like two or three, maybe, sorry, not two or three, or two or three episodes, so maybe like six chapters Yeah, since arriving at Briggs. Mm-hmm. Because Raven was like trying to use that against, you know, was, was trying to manipulate all the, like Olivier and the soldiers using yeah. that logic. And Kimberly is like, if I survive, then I'm meant to survive, which is like I guess mm-hmm. another interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, another example from that that I wanted to talk about um, is Olivier talking about uh, if ever my actions concerning General Raven come up, throw me on the under the bus. Um, like yeah. I, I found that to sort of be you know if I didn't do a good enough job hiding this and all that, I wasn't fit enough. Mm. so you don't need to protect me like I, I don't know it just i i found that to be a more uh a representation no depiction something <laughs> along those lines of of sort of armstrong's interpretation of survival of the fittest mm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah i think there's kind of a like response taking responsibility for yourself kind of aspect to that too mm-hmm. like survival of the fittest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's like kind of like what does the fittest mean right mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah like and i feel like according to nature it... it means you live long enough to fuck yeah basically <laughs> <laughs> you live long enough to adopt your quote-unquote relative to be your son yes <laughs> <laughs> But, and well, and I guess part of that is also like being adaptable. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like something that's kind of interesting is like Ed and I'll have these like steadfast rules. Like, Kimberly, Kimberly was like, you're going to do this thing. And Ed, like, you didn't you know that you'd have to kill people when you joined the military? And Ed is like, I joined the military with the uh, like, resolve not to kill. Not to kill. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's kind of interesting how they're so steadfast and like even somewhat inflexible in their desire to uh, not kill people, which, I mean, we see it as good, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, like, look at, like, Olivier. Like, she killed Raven. 
because mm-hmm. that was what was needed at the time to, I don't know, or at least she felt like that was what was needed, right? Yeah. So going back to Kimberly a bit, I like it. He's like, huh, interesting when yeah, he talks about how he had the determination not to He's kill. Like, well, I guess like, that'll work yeah. out for you. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever he said. Not exactly mm-hmm. like that. He's like, I guess that would like work out too yeah, i feel like he's okay like that is, yeah he's like that's also a like valid resolve i guess like yeah mm-hmm. like kimberly doesn't care his resolve is to live his best explodey life you know yes <laughs> but i think we've seen that kimberly admires the the determination of other people mm-hmm. so i thought or at least i thought that maybe that meant that he was gaining more respect for ed in that mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. yeah i think it's similar to his whole thing with like the rock bells where he's like, doctors are supposed to save lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm going to do my thing all up in there and explode that place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, ultimately, to do the things that Kimberly asked Ed to do, he doesn't actually have to kill people. I mean, like, it's all leading up to killing people. Like, Kimberly is like, like, if, if truly carving the carving a seal of blood... He, at Briggs, that just means, like, inciting an incident. Ed doesn't personally have to do anything, but... Yeah. I mean, obviously, his moral standing is that he wouldn't do it, so... Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they get out of all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that they're, like, part of... They're, like, attached to Kimberly, although they shook off his goons, as stated, so... <laughs> yeah. We'll see. And they found May. Mm-hmm. <laughs> May found them. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. May found them. <laughs> I feel like we also have to talk about how Ed was freaking out about what Riza said about him <laughs> just saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then also when Rita's mutter under her breath, well, I'd have to fall in love with, like, a weirdo like him or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I love how you're like him, then he doesn't hear her muttering under her breath because he's yeah. screaming the names of elements. <laughs> I know I mentioned this already, but I just love how he remembers it as, like, Riza mocking him and yes. the dog yeah. is also mocking him. <laughs> yes. Well... <laughs> Yeah, because he's dog loved, not a dog lover. Yes, as stated. <laughs> oh, side note: there's like a extra comic because now we so like we've gotten almost to the end of the available Full Metal editions. Yeah. Right. So I started reading the old, like the older translation. Um, and in the in those, there are like more side comics, and there's one that had Black Hayate like peeing on. Um, pride in the shadows which is hilarious like on the ground <laughs> i was like yay <laughs> i like how um i think we talked about it a bit before we were recording but just how kind of like in sync ed l and winry are oh yeah, yeah. In, in these chapters yeah. <laughs> yeah like ed ed comes in and he's like explains the situation and then he's like well kimberly will give me the stone this is what i said before so this is repetitive mm-hmm. for you but not for everyone else kimberly mm-hmm. will give me the stone uh if i do the tasks and then Al's like, no, and then, but he's eventually like, or Ed is like, we, but he has it or whatever. And Kimberly's like, or not Kimberly, um, Al's like, do whatever you want or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then after he leaves, he's like, or when we asked if Al is like cool with that or whatever, and he's like, no, like Ed probably has like a plan. Like they're, you know, Ed's obviously like not going to do that. So mm-hmm. he must have some kind of scheme or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's totally in on it too, and she's like, "Well, I need an excuse." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and how like Ed catches on and like starts like fake mm-hmm. arguing with her to like make their her like, yeah. story more believable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then they how they like all glare at Darius. To- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought even the driver—that's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> like dude. <laughs> yeah, 
I've been, I never really noticed before, but I kind of low-key love this driver. He's, like, shown up several times. So. <laughs> I think he's still in this part that's coming up, where they're in the city. I forget. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was there in the background in the rest of this chapter, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I remember seeing him in a, in a chapter or two ahead. Yeah. I'm not totally sure, since they're all the wearing the ha- their, they're, their yeah, they're all gear, uniforms. but that's I think he might be the yeah. guy who's... Like, oh, I'm so sorry. When we disappeared, and then like when Kimberly turns around, he's like sticking his tongue out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, ooh, Kimberly's in trouble. <laughs> After when we realizes that she was brought there to be a hostage, then she's like committed to the plan. She's in on the plan, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, or like, you know, I'm trying to, cause like now they have to like. They're basically trying to get away from Kimberly, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think she's mm-hmm. also committed to figuring out how to get how to get everybody away from Kimberly and away from the fort. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kimberly I think she's trying to like now. lessen her like effect on all of this by mm-hmm. being the hostage. Because yeah. like, mm-hmm. she was like, like when she first found out, she's like, "No, I'm holding you guys back." Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So they need to they need to now figure out how to get out from under Kimberly's thumb, mm-hmm. including Winry. Get out yeah. of out of reach of the military to continue to use her to uh, against Ed now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, we didn't talk about the flower lady. Oh, yeah. yeah, her. Yeah. So she's just, I guess, somebody the Armstrong family knows. Not very clear, but mm-hmm. uh, I think she's part of the Armstrong family, right? Well, with her curly cue, I guess. But... Right. Yeah. yeah. But she said, "I've been serving the Armstrong family for years, or whatever." So I don't know. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. she's part of the family. Yeah, maybe. maybe just being in proximity to the Armstrongs makes your hair become curly, <laughs> curly. like that. <laughs> maybe it's, they require it's a job all requirement their to yeah. Do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to have a curly cue in your the front of your hair. Yeah, they're like you're hired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're a perfect fit for our staff or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like um, but I like that Olivia. She does refer. Like, hmm? I say she hmm? does refer to Olivia as Lady Olivia. So yeah, that's mm. why I feel like she's some kind of. That does is, make sense. This is some house staff or something mm-hmm. you know type of relationship but and she said like i've served the armstrong family for years not like i'm yeah i'm their third cousin twice removed <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's just like a groupie yeah right? a groupie. <laughs> she's the armstrong, an armstrong family <laughs> yeah armstrong fa- probably has groupies like mm-hmm. <laughs> they're so bombastic especially alex armstrong so mm-hmm. <laughs> but i like how olivia was like mustang could get lost for all i care <laughs> yeah <laughs> But then she also complimented him, saying, like, he's not the kind of person who would just, like, sell out to the hero mm-hmm. or whatever. So I think she knows that she can trust Mustang, even though yeah. she's, yeah. like, seems to have some kind of personal beef with him. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she personally dislikes him, but, like, trusts him as a, like, yeah. fellow soldier. <laughs> I think I think I said before that she has a she personally dislikes him because he she sees him as a threat to her gaining power, not because mm-hmm. he's not capable. I think it's because yeah, he's yeah. capable that he's a... He, mm-hmm. She sees him as a rival. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's competent and ambitious. So. Yes, mm-hmm. as is Olivier. So, mm-hmm. well now, so now Roy knows all what's going on, and he has like a thousand flowers. Right <laughs> yeah, there, so. <laughs> he only paid like thirty-two thousand three cents, one hundred twenty-five dollars. Yeah, it was like three mm-hmm. three hundred and thirty-two thousand five hundred cents, something like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, wow, he had that much in his wallet. <laughs> yeah. Boy, it's like rolling in dollars. I guess he had to pay off his. Uh, yeah, if he was out for lady he was seeing or whatever for information that day. I guess he yeah. yeah, he prepared by lining his wallet with cash. Mm-hmm. 
I love the the image of the the flowers just like pouring out of his car. Yeah, <laughs> I like how the people commenting are like so wasteful or whatever. They're so yeah, or like so so ridiculous. It's like really funny. Mm -hmm. And I love how he's asked that like like fairly emotional thing where he's talking about how like. The people they can rely on or like the people they always used to fight beside and then he he's was... like and now what am i going to do with all these flowers <laughs> <laughs> he was all talking to hughes again mm -hmm. Roy. so sad <laughs> i feel like roy his all his crew's gone so he's pretty alone again mm -hmm. yeah. you know and some other man took elizabeth from him <laughs> <laughs> well he's not quite a man He's not quite a he's not quite a human. <laughs> I guess it might be hard to explain in the bar though. <laughs> yeah. It's like some esoteric bullshit took my Elizabeth from <laughs> This immortal motherfucker took my <laughs> took my Elizabeth away. <laughs> Although I don't Wrath is an immortal, is he? I don't know. It's not clear. We've never seen him regenerate. Yeah, I don't know how that works. And they well, said there's only one ages. soul left. Yeah, yeah, there's only one soul and he regenerates, so I don't... Well, or he, he ages. ages, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I can't remember if he even got injured before, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so fast with yeah, his I don't think we've seen skills. him have any injuries, but I think, we, I think we talked about before, I think the implication is that he's not immortal like the other ones. Yeah, like, I think mm. so. I would think so, at least. Yeah. If they go to the details, I explain that he has only one soul left, and Rath yeah. is like, I'm not sure if it was mine or, like... You know, whatever. Yeah, and there. we've seen him visibly age from that flashback, and he like complains right. about like, oh, when your body slow. gets old, you can't do what you used to as much. Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah if anything, so. I think maybe he's a little sturdier than your average person, but yeah. still, he has a special eye. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think it. I mean, it seems like he can move really fast. Yeah. Um, yeah. as stated. So that probably, like, gives him an advantage, but probably if he was grievously injured, he wouldn't come back from it. Mm -hmm. Perhaps. Special eyes. <laughs> That's always funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's because that commercial is so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I don't think I have any other things that I want to talk about. I think we'll just have to see what happens next time. Mm -hmm. With all our friends, got... Winry and Ed yeah, we got Al lots of Kimberly, uh... <laughs> our favorite person. Yeah, we got lots of different groups coming together now because the yeah. the Scar group, Sans Scar, has met up with uh, hmm. Ed Al and Winry. Scar's met up with Scar's got some Camara friends, <laughs> <laughs> new friends. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you two aren't normal, are you? And they're like, ha ha, ha, ha. and they like turn into <laughs> weird like, animals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, one looks like a like spiky boar man. Yeah, I don't know. He looks like, looks a, like a he's like frog thirty percent or... porcupine, and the other yeah. one is like yeah, fifty percent amphibian. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. I don't know. They're they're interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think I don't actually have anything to add. You don't have one last thing to say? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I'm out of banter about Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we gonna read next time? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to be, wait, let me guess, 72 and 73? You're right. Whoa. Wow. I'm Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> wait. I mean. <laughs> Is it, yeah, we're still in uh, uh, two by two for a little while longer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Mm -hmm. 
it won't stay that way. <laughs> no. So in, I'm enjoying it while I can. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, next week, uh, 72 and 73. Ooh. Yay. Yay. I can't wait to see what happens with now that we know this like horrible pride can chop people from the shadows and like everybody yeah. scars about to be in a fight and yeah uh, everybody sleep well turn off all your lights <laughs> <laughs> block your curtain no shadows it was like yeah, the, blackout it reminded me it reminded me of like the weeping angels you know at the end of the weeping angels episode of doctor who where they're like don't blink and they show all these like random like statues you're like oh no every statue is gonna kill me <laughs> use yeah. my time energy or whatever I was like, oh, this could really haunt me if I think about it for <laughs> five seconds. I also read it at like 1 a.m. So that yeah. didn't help. <laughs> yeah. I had to get up to go to the bathroom and I was like, there's shadows everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I mean, I'm not part of some kind of like crazy government plot. So I guess I don't have to worry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not like Hawkeye. <laughs> you don't know too much. <laughs> no, I know very little, in fact. <laughs> Okay. Well, good. Let's see what happens next time. Yay. Yay. All right. Uh, Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. They stay true to their duty as doctors, following their consciences to the, following their consciences. Yeah, their consciousness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were awake the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> until they were dead, and the, yes. you know that kind of messed everything up. <laughs> wow, this northern region auto mail so. Wow, this northern region auto mail sort. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow, this northern region auto. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> You've never admitted defeat completely before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow, this northern region automail sure is interesting, Winry enthuses as Ed recovers. Good job, I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> Back at Briggs, Ed is asking what exactly Kimberly means by carving a crest of blood there. Bobby, what are you doing? He's carving a crest of blood. Get him. It sounds like it. <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch. Kimberly grins as he answers. Just as in Ishval, we will kill the people of this land and create something magnificent from their blood and sorrow. Ed's eyes go wide and he slams his fists on the table. I know, it's crazy, right? <laughs> and then we'll call it this land. Yes.